stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! It's preview season. Let's throw it into attack mode. Welcome to the Season 5 Formula E Preview Edition of Motorsport 101. Filling in for the absent Andre Harrison, um, I'm RJ O'Connell, I've got uh, Ryan Eric King with me, and we've also got Basil Southwell's back! Hello. I'm not in an airport. Excellent. Not in an airport, not being screamed at by uh, by somebody working at the airport. That's true, <laughs> yes. Probably just had a really, really tough day. Bless their hearts. Oh, Though goodness. I admittedly I did I did tell some people that Hazel was going to be on the show this week, and they said that they would be disappointed if Hazel wasn't in an airport. I can I, go I'm, ahead and. Pre- I I can phone you from uh you know I I I can join the discard from uh di- discord discard what what am I even saying <laughs> um uh I'm spending uh six hours in uh Milan Bergamo airport. On my way to Riyadh, obviously. Um, and then I'm spending 11 hours in Amam Airport in Jordan. So. Flight number 420 is now boarding. <laughs> Flight 69 is now boarding. Flights 420 and 69 are now boarding. <laughs> uh, King, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking, most importantly, the headline act. Uh, season preview for Formula E, season 5, new gen it's car. Uh, gen 2. Whole whole new world for formerly pretty much um other than that we have other series that are either dumpster fires or gleaming beacons of gleaming beacons of oh, hope oh goodness great awesome all of our favorite things in <laughs> all one of show. favorite things yes be a good time of course um course uh, well let's get the uh let's get the shameless plugs out of the way the general housekeeping uh we are at motorsport101.com you may listen to us on soundcloud or apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast you can find us on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 we are on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 if you wish to follow us personally we're at harrison 101 hd at rj o'connell at ryan eric king that's two k's and at H Southwell FE. Um, and of course, if you back us financially on Patreon, at $5 you get early access to every show that we put out, including this and Bike Live. And for $10, you can listen to the shows live as they're being recorded. So let's say hello to all of our listeners. Hi, Cam. Hi, Jason and Brian and Steve. How are you? They can't hear us because they're muted. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they can hear us. We they can hear us, but they just can't respond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except in text, which, you know, podcasting being a visual medium comes across great. <laughs> no, podcasting being in, in audio medium, aren't you? Yes, We're as I said, not podcasting, a podcasting the ultimate visual medium. That's why we need more eye candy for the show. <laughs> I can only I've actually do so put much my special new freelancing pajamas on for this. <laughs> oh, now we're talking. I've just got my sweatpants on. Golly, we're just bringing so much eye candy to this visual medium. 
Okay, before the show completely goes off the rails, um, should we talk about Dumpster Fires, King? Yes, let, let's talk about the World Rallycross Championship. Oh, goodness, uh, I thought this was going good. It, it, to, according to a lot of people who are now upset, it was going very good. I don't know what happened. Uh, it is not clear that the World Rallycross Championship will go uh, electric in 2021 as previously announced. And a lot of people are saying that it is vital for the serious survival that it goes electric for 2021. Because right now, with the serious promoter IMG being pretty on the fence about going electric, while the manufacturers and the teams, well, mainly the teams who have some pretty influential owners, are saying that it is vital for the series to continue forward. Because. Uh, one of the FIA rules that is mentioned pretty much in every article to be classified as a world championship in under most FIA guidelines, you need to have at least three manufacturers involved in the series. Right now, for the 2021 season, there's only one manufacturer that is on the fence about being involved. Besides that, there are no other com- committed manufacturers. Yeah. So, uh... I understand that Peugeot have left, uh, Citroen have left, um, I believe the one manufacturer left are Ford, who, um, who oh, America no, sorry. at least could tried you, to turn. Could you say Peugeot again? Peugeot. <laughs> Peugeot. Oh dear. Peugeot. Peugeot. <laughs> sorry. We're American. <laughs> we don't have, that car doesn't exist here. It really doesn't, and it's a shame. <laughs> But yeah, sorry. Um, I know I, I say things way funnier, but like for the Europeans, <laughs> that's gonna be a hoot. Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> so as it stands right now, there is only one works back team for just next year. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, Petter Solberg's uh, P- uh, PSRX team are the only team that have any f- official factory support next year. Ah, so, yes. um, yeah, oh, things I'm... are not looking good. Um, I mean, we've just, uh, we've just overseen a, uh, a massive overhaul in Rallycross America, RIP Global Rallycross, you will be missed. The, the shortest lived civil war ever. Oh man, what a civil war it was. It lasted all of 10 minutes. <laughs> just like Slant Stroll's time at Force India. Yeah, but according to Petter Solberg, he's pretty much said, uh, made direct comparisons to other motorsport series and the directions that they've been heading in were, quote, compared with other motorsport, Rallycross is not so expensive for the manufacturers, but the show is good for the spectators at the events and on TV. Look at Formula E. The show is not so good, but it has good promotion and exciting, and it's exciting for the manufacturers. It's not as nice as Rallycross could be. End quote. Yeah, like if people have uh, concerns about range anxiety of electric cars, like Rallycross is the ultimate short form motorsport. And what do rally cars do better than anything? Instant acceleration compared to every other form of race car. You know what electric cars do better than that? Instant acceleration. It would be perfect. So, would I, I think it would be? I think they're right. I think it would be a World Rallycross's best interest to try and get this along, get it going. Yeah, and it's it's seemingly the promoters against 
the drivers who are also team owners in this series, where it's like pretty much the three most prominent names in the series, Petter Solberg, Marcus Grenholm, and Sebastian Loeb, all world champions in their own right, have come out in support of electrification, while the promoters are like, we're not so sure that this is the right way forward, we're thinking about having more flyaway rounds, while that's the exact opposite of what those drivers wanted. Yeah, that Grunholm, Loeb, and Salberg. Damn, that's like a that's like a stacked WRC podium in two thousand seven. Yeah, man. Oh goodness. But uh, yeah, they're they're confident that an electric ra- world rally championship would. All three of them have pretty much come out and said that it would be better than Formula E, which is very bold on their point, but. I think we can. Make I like a case the ambition. For, I think we can make a case for Formula E being pretty good. In fact, King, <laughs> is it time now we start previewing the 2018-19 Formula E Championship? I I, I think we shall. <laughs> yeah, right. I think we shall. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some uh, musical interlude music uh, magically uh, just come up here, and we'll start talking about the Formula E season to come. the fifth season the second generation of formula e it is mm. five five years ago i didn't think we'd get to this point jet like honestly five years ago i didn't think yeah formula e is going to be heading to a fifth season guys i mean people thought it was going to collapse right i thought in... it was only going to last a year yeah yeah i mean right up until i think montreal People thought it was going to collapse. I think, um, from from the inside of the series, Montreal, it was like, oh no 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 no, <laughs> like it's actually going to be okay. Um, but you know, ev- even up to season three, when a lot of manufacturers got involved, um, or up their commitment, um, it wasn't. There was no sort of like dead cert to it at all, um, and. It wasn't like some of the races in season three were a little bit shrunky. Like yeah. there, there was a lot that was, or the events themselves. So like thinking back to Battersea, um, oh, at the Battersea. season two. Oh. Well, yeah, um, but the season two finale at Battersea, like it was really exciting, but it was also like just a bit of a village fake it was in a terms shit of scale. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Um, but it was really exciting to have most sport there, like yeah. in actually the centre of London, and the crowd was really different to Formula One, and there was lots of elements of it that were really good. Um, but yeah, it, like the view was shocking. You were very aware you were in a park that was going to be used for a fun run the next weekend, you know. Um, and and like I mean, I've done a ten kilometre race dressed as Pikachu in that park. <laughs> It's not really like, you know, but the home I of think most sport technology. 
but like I would compare yeah. like that kind of phenomenon to like RJ would probably relate to this uh, wrestling or, or boxing where you can get a ton of pay per view buys on just hype, but you need to have a great product after they buy your pay-per-view, or they're not going to come back for the next pay-per-view. Oh, goodness, and boy, we got a good product. Um, This is not just the electric champion's big of of single-seater motorsport. No, these are top-flight drivers. These are top-flight manufacturers that are investing into Formula E, and we have a new generation of car and even more awesome drivers coming into the sport. Golly, what a good grid we have. Oh God! I mean, should, like, every, should we start with? Oh, sorry. Everyone says it's the strongest grid in most sport, but I think it's like you would be you would really struggle to find another grid that is like as consistently good as this one. Oh goodness, yeah. When you think about just like you know, find like the worst driver on this grid. You would be hard pressed to do that. Yeah, it's hard to say who is the bottom of the pile. Even even if you're like in a Formula E setting, who's the worst here? You it it's hard even with people who have zero experience in a Formula mm-hmm. E car. Yeah, and it's also a different challenge for a lot of drivers. Um, so you know, some drivers may pick up on the uh, on the nuances of electric car racing better than others right out of the gates, and that's fine because eventually the uh, the end result is how you learn. And well, yeah. that's how we have John Eric Verne as our champion. Yep, and speaking of new drivers, new experiences, I think we should start our preview with the new, with the newest team in the field that are fielding two rookies, HWA Race Lab, with Stoffel Van Dorn and Gary Paffin. Yes. To be clear, this is not the Mercedes factory Formula E team. This is just toe in the water for Mercedes to, you know, kind of play the field a bit. You know, get a team that they've trusted through their touring car efforts, uh, get one of their reliable works uh, touring car drivers and uh, driver that they poached away from McLaren, and uh, see how it goes, and, you know, maybe then start backing up the uh, the big old dump truck of money. Um, everybody is new to the series, but they are accomplished the world over. Gary Paffett, after 16 seasons in DTM, two-time champion, Nearly made it into F1 on a couple of occasions. He is shifting to his second career in Formula E. But all the excitement seems to be around new- newcomer Stoffel Van Dorn. Oh, really? Champion in Formula 2, a race winner in Super Formula, a vice champion in Formula Renault. Destined for stardom, couldn't reach it with McLaren. So now it's off to the next phase, potentially a way back into F1 or a long-term career option. Who knows? Yeah. I'm like, really this... surprised that you say the attention's on him. Yeah, yeah, because from pretty much motorsports fandom, the world over kind of revolves around Formula One. So well, where a Formula One driver goes, that's where the eyes go. I, I suppose so, but I, I guess like perception certainly in the paddock, like, and a lot of people who get in touch with me, like I get asked way more about Gary than oh, stuff. No. Oh no, Gary Paffitt's awesome. Yeah, like I would. To me, I like Paffitt better than like Van Dorn. As like it, it it's interesting. <laughs> I I find Gary Paffitt in Formula E far more interesting than Stoffel Van Dorn in Formula E. Dude, he's a reigning DTM champion. He won yes. it on the way out. <laughs> Took the trophy and left. 
We put well, it in the fridge along with the <laughs> WWE title. Uh, um, so what are the expectations for this team? They have, um, they have a Believe a Customer Venturi powertrain. Uh, it's a first-year team. Uh, they were kind of, they weren't really at the top of preseason testing. Um, what is the expectation? I mean, HWA had quite a rough preseason test. Um, if Stoffel Van Dorn thought that he was going to escape his cursed McLaren, then unfortunately, uh, it turns out that whatever cursed object um, has been placed on his person by a Fernando Alonso, he he still has it. Um, but he's formally out Formula One now, so maybe maybe he's had to give that back. Um, yeah, he he had a really disruptive time and not masses of running. Um, similarly to Gary, I think a little bit of it is... Uh, I mean, testing is for finding your feet. They were actually... So last year, when Tachita came to pre-season testing, they had not run the cars at all. And look how that customer. ended up. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but this year, actually, the two customer teams... Um, uh, Oh my god, what are they called now? Envision Virgin something. Um, uh, they got three or four days of Audi's manufacturer testing mm-hmm. time, and yeah. HWA got five days of Monterey's. Um, so it wasn't totally, totally new, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they they had a little bit more of a head start. Um I think possibly because the manufacturers accepted that like it didn't really do anything to stop Tachita. Um But yeah, so they, they, but there's still always going to be issues. You know, these are new cars. There's totally new powertrain. The batteries are new, so uh, and the batteries can go to much much higher temperatures than they used to. So the previous Williams battery um, could only safely operate to sixty degrees centigrade. Sixty degrees centigrade is still really hot. As yeah. a giant thing, I mean, these things weigh like hundreds of kilograms and that are would burn colossal. Your hand. Oh yeah, yeah, you could you could comfortably fry an egg on that. Um, but yeah, so the um, the new one, I I think I can't remember the exact figure, but I think it's seventy eight degrees centigrade. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Hang on, I'll Google. I forget you're American. Yeah, um, so that's so that's perfectly hot. Yeah. Um, sorry, it is uh, 172 Fahrenheit. Damn, um, Yeah, so, and obviously you want to get it as close to that limit as you can. It was actually quite cold in Valencia, so... Where we had pre-season testing. Yeah, um, so un- unlike last year, it actually really didn't get very warm in Valencia, and it was raining quite a lot of the time. Um, so there was less kind of um, opportunity to really sort of test that in a realistic scenario whereas obviously when we go to Adiria um, well it's not actually going to be that hot in Saudi it's going to be about 22, 23 uh, which again, hang on, sorry let me uh, that's 73 Fahrenheit Um, that's like a a relaxing day yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a little relaxing spring day in New York. But then, obviously, when we get to Mexico, it's going to be more like... Muy caliente. Uh, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. So, yeah, it's going to... Uh, which, it, for any Europeans listening, is 32 degrees centigrade. 
and actually gets quite a lot hotter than that once you factor in the track and things. So um, yeah, it's it's going to vary quite a lot over the season, and I think I think I don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure it was like software management and battery management issues that they were having. But I mean, testing is the place to do that. So it was a messy test, but that, like that's where you should get your hot mess out, as it were. And, of course, recently they did bring in Tony Ross uh, from the Mercedes Formula 1 team. If the name sounds familiar, he might have engineered some guy named Nico Rosberg to his world championship and has since worked with Valtteri Bottas. So they've, they've got a lot of uh, good people in place. Uh, do, you, do you expect podiums out of this team in their first year? Uh, no, not really, no. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, I'm sure if... So I think HWA, although it's a really new challenge... The race format is actually totally new for everyone this year, so they're at slightly less of a disadvantage by coming in now. I think Porsche are really shooting themselves by waiting a subsequent season. Yeah, um, the strategy is not a good strategy. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, I think, I think coming in, I, I, I think HWA will be able to take advantage of a situation if they have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But realistically, this is absolutely explicitly, and the team will tell you this, like, they want to be competitive, they want to score points, that's important, but this is a, this is a exploration year. It's a learning year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you cannot set realistically your, expect to compete with Audi. Set the expectations year. on the floor, and uh, if you get anything like a podium or anything like that, hey, it's just a bonus. Um, speaking of... Uh, Speaking of uh, German manufacturers that are actually uh, dumping in their huge bags of money into the sport in the present, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to BMW iAndretti Motorsport. Yeah, um, bye bye stars and stripes. Hello, black, red, and gold. <sighs> Hello, uh, red, blue, and slightly lighter blue. <laughs> slightly M Sport colors. Um. Andretti Autosport, uh, Andretti Motorsport. They were not good last year. They were last in the team's championship. But BMW at least had quick times in preseason testing that give some people hope that maybe, maybe it'll start to turn around. It'll start to turn around for Antonio Felix da Costa, who won the Buenos Aires E-Prix in the inaugural season, but has not won since and has not had much luck to go along with that. And they're also bringing in a rookie, Alexander Sims, who helped Ooh. take the big mate's very first win in IMSA competition. So Alex is technically a rookie, but it's on a real technicality, which is that Trilly didn't start. Uh, um, but Alex has been attached to multiple teams throughout um, Formula E. Uh, he is an incredibly huge EV nerd, and so he was basically just begging BMW to let him test the car. Oh, yes. As soon as they started. So he's done a huge amount of the season three, four, and five development. Nice. Um, so he is a rookie, but it's in like... I think he was the reserve driver last year as well. Yeah. This will be essentially his first, like, actual sanctioned Race racing yeah. experience. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's so attached to Formula E that it kind of doesn't quite feel... Um, yeah, so there was this fake race at testing, 
Um, I don't know if you heard about this. Well, sorry, not a fake race. It was a racing simulation and it was designed to test the attack mode software and and to test the way that it would work on track. But there was no qualifying. The cars went out in the order they came out of the pit lane. There was no race start. There wasn't, you know. So it was clear it was not a race. And some teams were very clear it was not a race and Mm -hmm. did their testing and were kind of like, well, I mean, Sam Bird was absolutely livid about the whole thing, to be honest, because um, he felt it was all a bit silly and he'd ended up at the back because he didn't get out of the pit lane fast enough. And yeah, uh, but BMW won it, um, and like in the world's biggest scare quotes because like there wasn't a race to win. <laughs> like I saw, I I did not know what was happening. I just saw footage and like pictures, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. what is happening? Testing. Why why are people locking like locking wheels and driving so close to each other? Testing is weird. Yeah, so like a lot of the drivers were just staying out of each other's way and kind of just because a lot of it was to run the actual race distance, so the 45 minutes. It was partly to to give people a chance to, obviously you could do that on a long run anyway, but to explicitly do that, um, and to have all cars running on track together, it kind of at the same time and whatever. So, um, it was a bit disrupted anyway because I can't remember what happened. Oh, Stoffel's car failed. Oh, <laughs> um, and there was like a big red flag for ages, and I think another car, uh, stalled as well, and uh, like well not stalled that doesn't happen with electric motors but like yeah there were there were a few issues and a lot of cars ended up not being cooled in the interim so they overheated and then, um anyway uh alex and antonio got insanely into it and antonio was like absolutely like so so every time i've spoken to antonio felix acosta since Great. i've been working in formula e, he's just been really depressed oh man and I can like imagine. At, at best, you can get, like, a bit of a... I'm hoping we might be able to score some points here. It's Or, like, we seem to be better here. I'm hoping I can score some points. Mm-hmm. But, that like, that's... Realistically, fighting for some points was the most that they could possibly do. They were miles behind everyone else. Their efficiency was dog shit. And he couldn't fight with anyone, you know... No race car driver wants to be in that situation. No, like, not a no one as good as Acosta, who's won Macau twice, mm. um, has been a Red Bull prodigy, has won races in DTM, maybe in the eyes of some people, should have been in Formula One. Uh, and he's won in Formula E before. It's well, yeah, yeah. And, like, and he's racing against his peers, Daniel Abt and Mitch Evans, um, competed for the Formula, e, uh, Formula e, GP3 title with him, and they all came down to only a few points away. Like, yeah. So he's being rinsed in front of the people he grew up racing against, basically. Mm. And, like, you know, obviously he fun. was quite stoic, he was quite jokey, but it, it's really, I think it's been tough. He's been waiting for the end, end of the season every year. And finally, he's got a car he can race. And so you like, think that? Uh, so you think that this uh, the pace is real out of this team? Um. So both him and Alex are kind of like uh, when when I was speaking to them, it'd be like, "Wow, you've got a fast car," and they'd be like, "Well, I just sort of steady on. We don't actually know what's going to happen." But when Antonio was saying that, he was grinning like a Cheshire cat. 
because like whether it is true when they get when we get to Adiria or not it looks that way and just the fact it looks that way is such a polar opposite to I don't think it's going to be the fastest car but it's it is one of the faster cars and like that is is meaningful oh yes it's going to be good that's going to mm. be very very good i would love to i would love to see Dacosta back competing for podiums as his talent deserves and as you mentioned if sims is really that geeked up about ev racing he's going to take the series like crazy once he actually gets in and does some actual racing uh because he's got experience in these cars and i feel like he's just ready to get loose on a track um can you feel in the same way uh yeah i'm feeling the same way probably i think uh i would say personal favorite driver is alex sims at the moment i mean yeah he was promoted in the series with uh with a sit with a parody of ea games the sims which implied that he was gonna (laughs) flirt and then copulate with his co-drive with his teammate it's team building yeah, team building. Ah, <laughs> uh, team building exercise, nineteen ninety nine. Let's go to America. Um, let's go to Giat's Dragon Racing. They have, uh, they do not have Jerome D'Ambrosio. They no. have Jose Maria Lopez, um, who came in middle of the season, uh, kind of helped turn what was a struggling team around when he replaced Neil Yanni after one weekend. They also have a rookie, another rookie, and Maximilian Gunther, a Formula 3 vice champion, a Formula 2 sprint race winner. Um, expectations for Dragon Racing, one of the uh, one of the backmarkers of last year. Uh, I, I don't think that we are going to see Dragon take a colossal step forward. Um, uh, that might be wrong. I... I mean, the thing is, all of the teams have made steps forward. No team is standing still. Um, apart from Tachita, who might have slipped backwards. Um, not their fault per se, but it's quite likely the DS powertrain is not as efficient as the Renault. Like, when you look at all the previous powertrains. So, I, I don't know. I don't know that for sure, but I would say it would be reasonable to expect them to not immediately hit the front just because they were there last year. Um, you know, last year they had one of the best powertrains. This year they might have one of the top five powertrains. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like all of the teams have made steps forward, but it was already very, very close. Like when we talk about Andretti being crap, like they were every team qualified within a second of each other repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like. Oh, sorry, within 10 seconds of each other. So, like, when you think about that, that's, like... When you think about the difference between P20 in Formula 1 and P1 in Formula 1, like, they are longer tracks, so you have more space, but it's it's still quite... To get it that close, the teams have to be quite close in terms of performance. Um, so, um, my feeling is Dragon just do not have the resources to make a manufacturer effort. They and have then, a Penske attached to the project, but it's not Roger, it's his son. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I just don't think they maybe have... Uh, I, I think 
Jay Penske's determination to not be a customer team probably doesn't do them huge favors. Matt Sagunther is not getting an invite to the Penske games. Yes, not by proxy. He doesn't drive for a Penske. <laughs> he drives for a Penske, but not the Penske. Um, yeah, I mean, Maxi is great. Uh, he came and tested for Dragon, obviously, in Marrakesh. Mm-hmm. Um, when I spoke to him in Marrakesh, he was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Oh. Like, pretty single-minded about it. And he he had deliberately made sure that he was there. And then he's come to most of the races this year because he wanted to show how convinced he was. He's been in the simulator a lot. And simulator work is becoming super important in Formula E in a way that people didn't realise quite how important it was previously. Um, And, yeah, I think Maxi, again... So there's multiple challenges to Formula E. One of them is just how heavy the cars are. Um, So there is a sort of physical element to learning how far you can push that, that... it's very unlikely that that's necessarily going to switch on in race one for a relatively young driver. Uh, maybe it will. But um, I think Maxi is desperate to, <laughs> was desperate to get out of the failure-ridden Formula 2 car that he's been saddled with all year. Um, oh, poor and... BWTR, Arden. You were so pink, but oh, so ill-prepared. Yeah. He dragged it to a sprint race win at Silverstone. And it was a good. Amazing. It was a good win. It was a good win. He is a good racer, and I think yeah, he brings realism and youthful energy. So he's excited to be doing this. He's not going to be upset if he doesn't win the title on his first go. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's not, he's not going in silly. Whereas I think some of the other rookies might get quite frustrated if they don't mm-hmm. immediately step to the front. And he's still just 21 years old. This will make him the youngest full-time driver on the grid. Yes, he's nearly as young as Daniel when Daniel started. Goodness. But I think I think Daniel... Oh, no, Mitch. Mitch is still the youngest ever. Mitch, brah. Um, but yeah, like... Uh, uh, I, th- I think he's like four days older or something stupid. Like, uh, But yeah... Um, I, I think he's going to be exciting. I'm really excited to see young drivers coming straight in from Formula 2. And um, and thoughts on Pacino, second year with the team, has finished on podiums before with DH Thurgeon. Jose Maria Lopez is the absolute only person who can give Jay Penske the hairdryer. Jay Penske shouts at him, he doesn't give a fuck. Like, Jay Penske shouts at, at Jerome D'Ambrosio, he feels sad. He goes away. Jay Penske shouts at Jose Maria Lopez, he shouts back. It's great, it's a very fiery relationship, I like it. Um, uh, but yeah, the, like I, th- I think he also brings um, an awful lot of experience with teams with very little resource. Because he comes from world touring cars, he's not expecting... Although he Triple. also works with... Toyota. Triple world touring car champion, former USF1 test driver, and of course always picked on as the SIT's most effective guy out of the SIT's Toyota LMP1 drivers when he's actually getting a lot better as time has gone on. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I I think he... People kind of paint him as quite fiery, because he is, and he'll chat shit to anyone. 
uh, and about anyone. Uh, but he he's quite a sensible driver. Like, he's not a Stefan Zarazan level of, like, steady pair of hands. Because he will also get spicy and run into people on the track. Um, but he he's not going to freak out because the car isn't at the front. He's going to work out a way to move the car further forward. So I th- I think he fits in that team well. Definitely. As well as anyone can. Oh, My yeah. God, Neil Johnny hated it so much. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, goodness. It's, uh could be another tough sledding season for, for mm. the Dragons, but, um, but they will still keep fighting on. Let's move up to a team that not too long ago um, had under many different names ago, uh, many different title sponsors. Uh, they, they're, one of their drivers won the championship, but uh, it's now been <laughs> yeah. a couple of seasons since Neo Formula E team have even won a race. They have uh, they have Oliver Turvey as their lead driver. Uh, he's had a pole. He's had a podium. He's had 16 top 10s in four seasons, but he's still looking for that first win. Uh, the big addition to the team, flying Tommy Dillman. Back for his first full season. He's had nine starts and four top 10s in them. And with Dillman, they're hoping to get some consistent production out of the second seat that maybe they didn't get last year with other drivers. Yeah, I mean, so I think um, last year was sort of trying for Neo. Mm -hmm. Um, In season one, they obviously won it as Team China um, with Nelson. Um, In season two, they had this powertrain that they had to abandon. Mm -hmm. In season three, they had the season two powertrain, basically. So season two, they basically had a season one powertrain in the car. So obviously it was just like a rank piece of shit compared to anything else. Um, again, they basically had the previous season's powertrain that they'd kind of managed to mash round so that it was permissible and functioned um, by season three. But you also have to remember that that was next dev. And Neo came in in season four and the team took a really quite substantial step forward with... Um, Neo coming in Uh, if you talk to Nelson Piquet Jr. about why he moved to Jaguar he will say the first reason is because Jaguar make everything in house and he was finding it really difficult to cope with the fact that next day of everything was supplied by different people so although they had very expert people so what they did was find the best supplier of X element and then try and put them all together, which isn't necessarily a bad strategy if you don't have a huge manufacturing effort yourself. However, it does mean that everything's a little bit far away from each other, and you've got so many hands and so many elements and stuff. Yeah, you've got whereas to work Neo a lot harder in, to put it together. Yeah, yeah, whereas Neo came in with their factory, because Neo are, you know, like one of the biggest EV manufacturers. God, around. that EP9 is so awesome. It's really good. Oh my god, I want it. I want it. King, do you want it? Yes, I, I need an EP9 in my life. Also, I would love to have just like, hey, I think my battery is running low. Could you really send out a truck to recharge my car, please? If we had that service in the US, I'd have an electric car tomorrow. God, yes. Uh, that service is available in the US. As oh, is nice. The, switch, uh, the battery switching option 
uh, for recharging, but very few people are picking up batteries, switching, because uh, basically it's more of a pain in the ass than fast charging. Now both of us just need more raises, uh, and it can like <laughs> six times over, and maybe it might become affordable. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll ask them if they could lend the show one. I'm sure it would be fine. <sighs> Expectations for Neo this season. Are they on the right track to moving back up the field? Uh, I honestly... And Neo have been keeping it pretty close to their chests. Um, Neo this year... Obviously, they've just floated on the stock market as a manufacturer um, uh, and raised huge amounts of funding that way. They're churning out cars. They've got a bigger Silicon Valley facility than Tesla. Um, they're opening houses of Neo all over the place. Is that too distracting for them to necessarily focus on the team? I don't know. Um, Jerry Hughes, the team boss, is an engineer originally. And I think that helps in terms of the raw engineering, whether he'll be able to consequently get the team to get their heads around the new racing format. And the new format is very weird. It's not It's not like any, you know, Formula E was already not like any form of racing. And now it's, it's taken that a step further. Um, so Neo will be as good as they can get themselves organised to be. But, but it, it's going to be that. It's going to be putting together the race day that will be their, their bane or their success. I'd love to see Oliver pick up some more success. I mean, he's been there for a while. He's been really, really good. Oh, man. Um, if, you're a, if you're a fan of uh, certain Formula One teams from Grove, uh, the next team will have a familiar look to them. They're Venturi yes. Formula E team. Uh, they have... Uh, they have a wolf as team principal. It's not Toto, it's Susie. And uh, their new driver, um, also a bit familiar to t- fans of certain constructors from Grove. It is 2008 Formula One World Championship runner-up, Felipe Massa. He spent 16 seasons racing in F1, and now he is in Formula E, starting his life after F1. He's not content just to coast into retirement. He also wants to recharge and regenerate. And uh, he also has an, a formerly experienced teammate, a man who is no stranger to success at street races, Eduardo Matara, who came very close to picking up his first win in Hong Kong. Um, Venturi Formula E team. They were solidly in the middle. Maybe could have had better results. Um, I always feel like this team is a little bit hard to read. So something that I think people don't always think about with Venturi is that Venturi are like the world's most experimental electric vehicle maker. Yeah. Um, they make, so when they're not making mildly mediocre Formula E powertrains, um, they make uh, stuff like their Arctic Explorer or Antarctic Explorer that they just announced, which is... Um, designed to obviously electric vehicles struggle quite a lot with cold and with heat so the Antarctic is somewhere that's perfect for them because um, some of the time there's sun all year round uh, or as a, it's all day round um, but yeah the, the it's challenging um, so Vontary have built this ultra rugged Arctic explorer 
Oh, Antarctic Explorer. Um, for going over these like enormous uh, deserts and, and ice shafts and things. It's uh, on your thread of uh, of electric cars, right? It is. Right? Or if you just Google it, it's all over that website. Like it's a cool lo- looking little thing, but they also make um, uh, world land speed record holding cars. So, and they're doing another one in the new year, I think. Um, so, although you might not have heard of them as a manufacturer, because they've made like one high end EV that's available. So they make ultra bespoke things and. Uh, the uh, uh, wonderfully named fetish, um, or fetish, uh, like it's both a fetish and a party, in French. Um, but they are a monogasque team uh, owned by Gildo Pasteur, and uh, Gilles and Leonardo DiCaprio and Susie Wolf. But anyway, um, uh, Gildo has been away. He's not been very well for a little while, and he's come back to the team like quite fired up I think so uh, they've they've also they kind of because they knew that there was this emerging deal with HWA I don't think they put a huge amount of effort into their season 4 powertrain really compared to the focus on developing for season 5 so I think which to be fair quite a lot of the teams did we know that like Audi went absolutely apeshit to make the most advanced season four powertrain they possibly could, but by no means to the teams to it. Um, so, but that was because that was an ego thing for Audi. But for a lot of the teams, it's like, oh, we'll probably be midfield. We'll still be midfield. Like you know, if you know you're going into season five, it's not a not a ludicrous uh, decision to take. But yeah, so um, Massa. A lot of people are like, oh, he's retiring into it. Blah blah blah. Um, He's really fired up about it. He's he seems really excited. He spent ages choosing a team as well. Like he tested for multiple other teams. He hasn't just gone with the highest bidder. I think maybe the fact that, you know, Vontree's simulator is two doors down from his house might have been persuasive. Um but yeah, he he's quite thrown himself at the team and at Formula E in a very committed way. Um, which is good will he be the fastest I've got no idea uh, will Edo be the fastest I've, I I have also have no idea um, they were picked so that they got along with each other um, and they do uh, Susie and Massa in particular have a really fabulous relationship as well yes um, at their time at some other teams and other championships yeah um, uh, just at the end of testing so Massa kept hitting his car off the curbs the floor of the car and like you, you have to do it a bit. You know, you curb ride on a street circuit, and and a lot in Formula E because it's so tight. But like he was really whacking it. Um, and the last thing I saw as I was walking down the pit lane to go and get a taxi to the airport and leave, uh, was Susie, um, like crouching down by the car that was up on stilts with a massive pointing at the um, underside of the car and kind of like, I couldn't hear what they were saying because there were lots of drills and whatever going off, but it. It sound it. It looked a lot like it was like stop fucking whacking this off the curb. Um, uh, look what you've done. Um, which yeah, I, I also think that Susie is taking a very thoughtful approach to being a team boss. She's very aware of the responsibility of being not just a team boss but the boss of a team that is a manufacturer. She's also aware that when she comes into a sport because of 
because she's global ambassador for women in most the FIA women in most sport because she does dare to be different like she can't she has to sort of like take a political role in being a team boss in Formula E she can't be kind of she can't step back yeah. And yeah, you can't be a backbencher. Yeah, yeah. Also I mean, she, something... she can't sort of like quietly work away, and you wouldn't necessarily know what she looks like, you know. Definitely. So, something else I learned about Venturi as well, um, King. Maybe we both know that Venturi more often back in their days when they made internal combustion engine GT cars, because yeah. they were in Gran Turismo too. Um, yes, also, they, they have a uh, they have a junior program headed up by Dorian Bocalacci, which is neat. Uh, yeah, they're really invested in this electric card business, and I think it'd be awesome if they uh, they were able to pick up a few more podiums and maybe even the odd win here or there, maybe. Um, and also, they have assigned Simona de Silvestre as their test driver. Oh, which, nice, yes. Um, Simona is my favorite. So. Maybe she can actually get into one of the race cars, you know, if in case Felipe or Eduardo just need to go on a bit of a holiday. Uh, well, she she is definitely getting into one of the race cars. Oh yes, at the uh, at the Adria test. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, we should talk about another team. Oh yes. But before that, quickly tangent back. I'm kind of disappointed now. Uh, despite having an office in San Jose, Neo actually does not sell any cars or offer any products here in the United God, States. Really? <laughs> what a, what a They hope to aim. They hope to aim to sell cars here in the future. They don't have an estimated range on when that day will come, but it will come one day. You might soon become the become the CEO of JCPenney by then, King. <laughs> I'll buy JCPenney for a dollar by that point. It would just be a matter of uh, it would just be a matter of process of elimination. Yeah, no one else wants it. Everyone else has had a turn, like Jerry Juicy. <laughs> Jaguar. Panasonic, oh, yeah. yep. Panasonic Jaguar Racing, uh, the ultimate frat boy team. They started with uh, they started with uh, with just getting in on the ground floor. Then they got their first podium, and now it's year three. The wins have got to start coming. Uh, they have they got Mitch Bra, who has really become a consistent point scorer on the Formula E circuit. And Nelson Piquet, Nelsinho Piquet, having his best season since the very first year of Formula E when he won it. Uh, it's year three for Jaguar. Expectations sky high? Should they be? Um, I think the pressure is on for Jaguar this year. So they came into the championship and it was like, okay, we're going to be dog shit. And everyone hyped them up. And they were like, no, we're going to be dog shit. Like, n- no, no jokes, guys. This is going to suck. Um, and they did. Uh, and then they made a massive step forward. So that step forward from a powertrain that they had barely stuck together uh, and quite a hastily assembled team with very little in Formula E experience to changing into actually quite a coherent, slick team who still had teething issues somewhat. Like um, Mitch lost a couple of poles and a race win because yeah. of various things. Um and like that hurt him, I think. Um, but and hurt the team, like because they knew they could have done it. Um, but I think they then have come back, regrouped. They know 
that easy gain of that first step forward, they're not going to do that year on year. You can't, you can't go from totally incompetent, pretty much, to actually pretty decent every year. Like that, that step is a rookie fluke, like that, or a sophomore fluke. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Jaguar Land Rover, the the parent company group, has um, committed to really very very soon. Uh, next year, in fact, not selling non-hybrid or battery electric cars. So right. there is quite considerable pressure on them. And just in the short game of motorsport, the last time Jaguar were involved in top-line motorsport, um, fair to say they had intermittent success, but nothing really eye-popping. And I think they also want to kind of uh, distance themselves from that and be like, oh, yes, no, we can... We can win races. We can be a top team and not just be, you know, making up the midfield with a bunch of money. Oh, yeah, and for sure. Not, and not losing diamonds. Yeah, no, not no. Not losing diamonds. That's a, <laughs> no, that's definitely not. Oh, man. Um, it would have, like, don't put a diamond in your Formula 1 car, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the... Uh, I, I think Jaguar really feel the pressure. I think... So Jaguar kind of, uh, they've got a bit of a tendency to almost like style themselves a bit like the Red Bull of Formula One. I mean, not quite, uh, Formula E even, not quite that extreme. Like they're not trying to pretend that they're caffeine edgelords, but they're quite like, we're doing a big event, we're having a party, like Jaguar is fun and cool and, you know, whatever. Yeah, kind of like the way, uh, I don't know if they aired the same ads in the UK, but like the the Jaguar ads that they air here in the states, where they kind of play off the Hollywood stereotype that Hollywood action movie villains are tend to be British. Oh yeah, yeah, the Ava Green ones. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And and like they they want to chase this kind of like British racing glamour kind of as as part of their image, um, because that's what you know that's somewhere around where the brand is but um this year that vibe isn't really there mm-hmm. not because i think they'd be like we've stopped being glamorous like obviously they're filming adverts with the Ava green but um that because the whole team it's like it's really kind of like heads down like we need to i spoke to craig lounders uh the head of engineering head of race direction I can't remember um uh, Jaguar I, I should remember that that's awful um but yeah he he was very clear that they are looking now at incremental gains not big steps because obviously that's that is where you're looking and the search for those incremental gains is really difficult it's always tough and I think yeah. uh, for a team that had uh, teething issues with the reliability issue, I think uh, I think this is definitely going to be a make or break year for Jaguar. But they certainly have the people to do it. I mean, my goodness, Nelson Nelsonio Piquet, when he's on his game, he could be really, really good. Just say when he won the Formula E championship in the very first year. And Mitch has been very, very tantalizingly close. He should have, he arguably on merit, should have more podiums than just the one and more pole positions than just the one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I think certainly um the bits where they fucked up last year, 
mm-hmm. the team have taken it to heart because like it it's fine to be like you know what some of these tracks didn't suit our car we weren't prepared for them and we couldn't set them up we couldn't get the tires to work that weekend whatever and that's kind of acceptable but when you know you had the pace and you just screwed up the energy management or you know that you had the opportunity to get pole and you just didn't because of essentially stupid reasons yeah. like Super the, 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 the team is they're very conscious that that's happened and very very keen for it to not um, so I think what we're going to see is a very slick serious Jaguar um, which doesn't make them foolproof but the their little window for kind of not quite fucking around but getting used to the series, it's over and like now the JLR group is like, okay, results. Now it's time to start winning yeah. races. Yeah. I want to talk about the most uh the car that most the most seen Formula E car on the grid up to this point. Because it was at Nismo Festival at Fuji Speedway. And it looked yeah. awesome. God, these things have so much I didn't know these cars had so much top end speed. Or maybe the Leaf RCs were just really backing it off. And we're here to talk about the three-time team champions of Formula E, but it's not Renault EDAMs, it's Nissan EDAMs. There is one part of the Renault-Nissan alliance that's backing away, another one's taking its place. Of course they've got Sebastian Wemmy, why wouldn't they? He's the most successful driver in Formula E history. And finally, we know who his teammate's going to be, Oliver Rowland, 2015 Formula Renault 3.5 champion, Formula 2 standout, and former Williams and Renault um, reserve and development drivers. They were really good for a long, long time, and then they weren't so good last year. Are they going to go back to being really, really good this year? Uh, so, Drio is back uh, with Extreme oh, yeah. Petri- Prejudice. Um, he doesn't like what happened last year. He, you know, he enters to win. Um, so, and it, it's Drio's team. Like, you can put whatever badge you want on that car. It's, it's Edams with a powertrain supplier, basically. Damn right. Um, so, uh, which isn't to say that none of those elements go back into the development of the cars and like, obviously there's lots of things, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, and the manufacturers are very heavily invested and, in, in, uh, you know. It's not that they're totally hands-off, but in terms of a race weekend where you turn up and you need to put together a Formula E race weekend, that is Drio. And the reason, one of the reasons that Sebastian is so successful is because Drio is really good at running a Formula E team. And that's why they fell apart when he wasn't there. Yeah, you don't win three championships, 2014, 15, 2015, 16, 2016, 17, without being really good at your shit. Especially with that, to add that to all the other junior formula titles that Dams have won under Jean Paul Drio's leadership, uh, you know I think uh, the only reason why they didn't jump to F one was because you know that's a whole lot of money for a whole lot, of, whole little return. Um, yeah, and uh, I think Sebastian Sebastian's quite cheery, which is always a good sign. Um, I like Sebastian Buemi. I do. I really like him. He's genuinely one of the drivers I sort of think of as, like, not really a friend. It's not like a text him, but, like, where am I? 
if I saw something fun. Superman. But, but like, yeah, it, it, like I could have a normal conversation with Sebastian. Like, I think people think he's very sort of standoffish, and he is a little bit. Um, but it, it's more being a bit introverted than anything else. Um, they see him melt down on the. Ra- they see him be cranky on the radio sometimes. Yeah. Of course, they saw him at Montreal at one time, which yeah, ooh, yeah. what a mess. Um, but yeah, he did. Like, he's a nice guy, and he's he's very interesting when he talks about the car, and he's talking enthusiastically about the car. And Goodness. given the circumstances I last spoke to him in, which was testing, which was dire, um, because at testing, of course, they initially turned up with two drivers. And then they only had one for most of the test. And they had work left to do. Um, Sebastian in particular, I I spoke to him on the Monday or the the first day. And uh, he was saying that by the end of the second day, he wanted the car completely set up and ready to, like, no further tinkering. And then the final day was, like, essentially race shakedown. Um, and he was setting up two cars, so he was driving one car in the uh, one car for a couple of hours, and then getting in the other one and driving the next one, because he's very driven and he wanted, you know, this bullshit with Toro Rosso, which Lord knows he would know about, um, <laughs> to to just stop ruining this final testing opportunity, and I think he took it quite personally. Um, and he certainly took it, or sorry, he didn't take it personally in a kind of like, oh, what an insult to me kind of thing, but in a kind of like, I must push the team forward, I must, you know, help the team, even though we're in a really difficult circumstance now. Because uh, teams don't go to testing as a rehearsal, even though they've done lots of private testing. They, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's business. Not, not running one of the cars is, that's really bad. That's yeah, huge it's bad. It's, it's bad when the circumstances are kind of out of your control. Not because the car's broken down, but because one of your drivers is in a contractual dispute. Mm. It's about to be bought out by somebody from that from that other Formula Championship. Um, um, Oliver Rowland showed up at Fuji Speedway. Was there in Tokyo? Um, officially confirmed the worst kept secret as the replacement for Alexander Albon. Um, another yeah. solid rookie in the field. Um, great pick. I love this pick. I I really like uh, Ollie. Um, he is so Ollie is like Sam Bird, kind of, and Lewis Hamilton. Although he always had the McLaren backing, um, he's like one of the last few broke British racers who've got anywhere. And obviously, there's like sliding scales of brokenness, um, but. Uh, he had to be supported by the Racing Steps Foundation to get into oh, yes. cars. He's not from money. He does have... <laughs> he has a really odd friendship with Sergei Sorokin. They used to be teammates at one point, and like, I'm not sure how, but like, yeah, the, bi- they were the billionaire and the boy from Sheffield are pals, but which is confusing. Um, but yeah, they... Um, uh, so he does sort of potentially have a backer. but And Sergei got him both into Williams as the reserve last year and into a WEC car. So like it's it's not quite a Sean Goliath situation, but it's not far off. Um unfortunately the WEC car then was uh cancelled by Janetta. 
Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Manor Janetta. Yeah. Uh, so the but yeah so Ollie I, I to be honest I I had kind of thought that Ollie would probably not really get a race seat again and would kind of drift off into obscurity, um so it's it's really good to see him get the seat he's he's worked with Dams before in Formula Two yes he um, did was very good with them yes yeah and he he. I want to say, did he not win the Formula Renault 3.5 title? I can look this up. I have the I think yeah, he, he did. did. With Dams, he won yeah. it in 2015, I believe. Yeah, yeah. The last year under Renault's ownership. So he's a uh, he's a known commodity within that organization. Yeah, because I yeah, for like, sure. And, it, and it came, he was the test came to my mind him. because the year before, that's when he was teammates with Sergey Sorokin. Oh no, yeah. he was not with Dams the year that he won the title. But yeah, he, he was not with Dams. Him. They were not teammates at set Dams. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I think Ollie's a really good shout um, at testing. So he didn't really do any media duties at testing, obviously, because he only drove it for one day. Everything was a bit complicated. Nissan were having a bit of a mare for lots of uh, PR reasons. So understandably, they didn't organise a roundtable with Oliver. Um, but he... Uh, <laughs> So, the day it rained, um, the Wednesday, no, the Thursday of testing was the media day, and it rained just, like, apocalyptically all day. Um, like, you couldn't, there, w- there was water pouring in through, it wasn't quite as bad as when it was actually pouring into media, media centre during MotoGP testing, but it, I wouldn't have been surprised if it did. Um, and, like, everything was wet. And for some reason, we decided to emulate that one time Formula One did this and try and do a pit lane boat race, um, <laughs> which was a really bad idea. And we got incredibly wet and we're like just tragically soaked. And the rain was getting like heavier and heavier and heavier. It was raining so hard that all of our boats were immediately beaten to death by the sky water. They had no chance of floating, uh, like just hit from above, like with aerial bombardment. Um, and... Uh, we were like asking teams if we could go through the garage rather than walk all the way down the pit lane and Nissan were like yeah yeah sure we were like we're not going to take photos of your powertrain our phones are very wet now Um, and uh, Ollie was like like he was in the Nissan garage he was just like what what are you all doing and we were like boat race and he was like oh fair play Um, which uh, I I quite liked as a um, as an attitude to it I think he's done one race in Formula E before. Yes, he has. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think a season two race for Mahindra will have any bearing on a season five <laughs> race for uh, Nissan. But I think um, I think it's good to see him back in the championship. And definitely, it it sounds a bit patronising, but he'll be grateful for the race seat. Um, and for a team that kind of needs to uh, psychologically recover a little bit from taking what was for them a beating last year, yeah. you know, no race wins, etc. Um, yeah, noting how early not, we were talking about the, them in the preview. <laughs> yeah, not not winning the championship. Um, I I I think he'll fit in well and he'll be good as a driver for them. And can I also just say on a tangent? Um, if Electric GT wants to shape up and shape up, um, 
Maybe they Ooh, should ditch the, uh, the Tesla gone? Model S silhouettes and just run the Nissan Leaf RC. Just a nah, thought. Nah, for, forget electric GT. It's all about ETCR. Ooh, buddy. Oh, now we're talking. Um, Mahindra. Yes. It's a new look for them. Uh, Nick Heidfeld, bearded one, no longer racing full time with the team. And uh, apart from the uh, the ones from the one night only experience, Felix Rosenquist is also moving on. Uh, when you see them for the duration of the season, they'll have a new look. Jerome D'Ambrosio is coming over from uh, from Dragon. He is a two time Formula E E Prix winner. And uh, after his release from his Mercedes contract, they will also have DTM veteran, veteran of two F1 seasons. Whoa, whoa, DTM champion. DTM champion and two-year F1 veteran Pascal Verlein, who really should deserve more. Um, this is who? This is a spicy lineup. It oh, is. Um, Verlein... Uh, I mean, he's sort of, I think, in kind of shell shock, uh, or he still was at testing. He may well have kind of gotten his head around the situation. Well, obviously, like, it wasn't formalised with him that he was driving for Mahindra until quite late. Um, and then there was a situation where Mercedes had dropped him from the contract, but it turned out he still had contractual duties to do, so he's got to go and do some DTM testing for them instead of going to Riyadh and, like, because they'd said all ties had been broken. Wait, 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 Mercedes is doing DTM testing despite not being in the series next year. It's tyre testing or some shit like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's, nothing, it's nothing that is relevant to Pascal and they have juniors and DTM drivers coming out of their ears and it feels quite spiteful that they are forcing him to not come to the debut weekend. But they are. So... He, um, you know, they could have put him in HWA. They didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Pascal. Pascal is very wary of the media because he's been bitten before. Um, he mm-hmm. is also very wary of being too optimistic. I think. Um, but I think. He, you can tell when drivers have been enjoying themselves. And it seemed like he was enjoying testing. Fair to, fair to say that like there was like a fame there was like a quote coming out that Pascal Verline said he, he wouldn't race informally and now these are he's actually enjoying it. Uh I think Pascal until really recently, until Mercedes formally dropped him. So this was the deal. So Mercedes dropped him out of his Formula One contract, but they didn't actually drop him out of Mercedes. Um, which is where this confusion is somehow tangled because he was the reserve driver for Mercedes AMG Petronas home base. I don't know what whatever, um, and they uh, he held on to Formula One for a really long time. So he was kind of like when the opportunity about HWA came up, he was like, no, 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 I want to focus on Formula One, mm-hmm. and kind of refused to countenance to Mercedes the idea that he would go to Formula E because he felt like that was ruling it out. It's a mistake lots of young drivers have made. Yeah. Alexander yeah. Albert. Um, <laughs> but like, so vapor locked into Formula One that you kind of lose sight of things around you. 
yeah. yeah, completely. And and like Stoffel knew he was done, so he went and took the contract instead. Um, and he'd known he was done for a really quite a lot of this season. So, and he was just kind of more able to process it. I suspect basically because he hadn't been tied into one manufacturer who'd portrayed him as a golden boy, and then like you know, um, so you know Pascal didn't have a good time in Formula One. Kept the faith with Mercedes, has been booted for younger models. Like it's not. It's he's not. not he's not obviously in the state that say Jeff was when he rocked up at Formula E. Pascal needs to go to a team like Mahindra, which is a family. Um, it's a very sort of like. Um, the team will sort of work together and, and 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 yeah it's it's treated as a family with their sponsors with like yeah. everyone else um and i i think this is an opportunity for him to sort of recover he did say he wouldn't race in formula e but fuck me so is everyone else andre lotterer said that pippa man said that like you know there's there's so many people who oh have God. then when they're, they're skeptical do you want to get first. in the fucking car they're you know, skeptical at first, and then they realize, oh, hey, this is actually very, very fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but it's it's a bit like getting the Formula E car, Shinji. Like, it's it's not. Um, yeah, I I think people sort of refuse to countenance it if it looks as though they are taking it as a second best, which I can understand. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, it's... But it, it's you know, it's obviously not a second best. It's very competitive. There are drivers like. Jean Paul Drio, when the seat became available, was phoned by thirty people. Yeah, golly, that's what, yeah. something we forgot to mess about. Oliver Rowland was one out of thirty, and they have two reserve drivers in Mitsunori Takaboshi and Jan Mardenborough who could easily plug that role at any time. Um, yeah, Mardenborough's been really rude about Formula E. No. I really like Jan. I don't even care if he's rude about Formula E. <laughs> um, I like that he's a bit of a gobshite, but. Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they could have picked anyone for that seat. Back to Mahindra, though. Um, Jerome is he gonna win a race and not have it be at Lucas's expense? Jerome D'Ambrosio always picks up the wins where Lucas Degrassi ends up getting disqualified. <sighs> Envision yeah. Virgin Racing have Audi powertrains and Sam Bird and Robin Friends were title rivals of Formula Renault 3.5. This team is awesome. I want to see Sam Bird win a Formula E championship and I want to see Robin Friends win races. <sighs> I'm so excited that I, I want to see team. If Sam Bird doesn't get, like, because I, I want to see Sam Bird rob back the second place that Lucas took off him, which Lucas no way deserved second last year. He was such a hot mess at the start of the season. Run that. And, like, it was so unfair that the New York track was changed to a layout that favoured the Audi. Um, yeah. But now Sam's got the Audi and he can beat Lucas in his own car. Yes! No, yeah, um, I, I don't genuinely have any animosity towards any of the drivers. I just really want Sam Bird to thrive and be successful. He's yeah. a really wholesome to, young man. I mean, I say that, me, I obviously I'm did terrified just say he called by, Robin a by Virgin operating customer Audi cars. Like, I think that that's a dangerous pairing to do to do some damage to the rest of the field. Yeah. Sam Bird was dragging that DS Virgin well above what it should have done, winning multiple races in the season. He has more wins than any other driver that's yet to win the title. You kind mm. of feel like he's due. And Robin Friends, well, 
we know that he's a very, very exciting driver um, whose talents went unrewarded at Andretti. Um, and you kind of feel like, okay, now he's in the car where you can see finally he'll have the success to match what he's done in sports cars with Audi in pretty much every junior Formula Championship up to and including what is now Formula 2. Um, this is going to be fun. That's mm. up, uh, Audi Sport App Shapler Formula E team. Um, yeah, Envision Virgin Racing is going to be good. Uh, Bird and Friends, I feel like if that Audi powertrain is as real as it gets, uh, they're going to be they're going to be in contention for wins all up and down the season. Um, there's only been one team that's been together the whole way. Um, Lucas Degrassi, Daniel Apt, they've been together since the very beginning, and they've been together at what is now Audi Sport Apt Schaeffler. Uh, they were very slow to start last season, but now, uh, but they finished the job in 27-18, and it looks like on paper they might be the uh, the favorites to win the championship. We know that Lucas Degrassi uh, future head of the FIA and absolute intellectual is a big proponent of the series and he's oh yeah he's a really good racing driver and Daniel App gets better every year yeah it is I don't know there, there's something frightening about you know them heading into the next generation of you know cars for the series and they have the same lineup pretty much on paper everything's the same well, everything around them has changed dramatically. There's something worrying about that kind of confidence. Right. It does remind you of the Audi LMP1 team at their peak of their powers when everybody else was having to try something different. Audi just uh, kept on doing what they were doing. Um, They're like, nah, fam, we're good. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be another year of Lucas Degrassi and Daniel App picking up wins. The big thing is are they going to have a clean sheet where they don't end up setting themselves to qualify for stupid reasons? Oh, uh, I don't know. Anything could happen with the new car. uh, New race format, which we'll probably get into after. Attack mode! Attack mode. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) We'll get into that. I, I uh, I like the little demonstration that they had of it. It was nice. Yeah, but yeah, we'll get into that more in detail after we finish previewing the team. But yeah, Audi, they're pretty much in a position where they can legitimately win both championships. Oh, goodness, yes. And now you have to start to wonder, will it be Lucas that wins it or will it be Daniel? Because it's been Lucas's team, but Daniel has been getting better and getting better each and every year. And now you kind of feel like he's not just there because he's uh, he's related to the team, to the entity that owns the team. Oh, no, he's there on merit. He's very yeah, good. He's, he's quick. Uh, he is the solid number two that Nico Prost, you know, was for Renault. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the big difference here is when and I don't think Daniel Apt is going to be content just to be a number two driver next year. I think they're going to have some fireworks to that team. Yep, and speaking about fireworks, um... <laughs> now we get to the team that has the reigning champion, Jean Eric Verne. Um, his worst finish was a single tenth place, and by then he'd already <laughs> wrapped up the title. That's how good Jean-Eric Verne was at Tachita Formula E team. He's their lead driver. He's also a partial investor. And oh, have they made a big investment into DS Automobiles. 
yeah. Ah, oh, God. I, I believe in Tachita because they are our reigning, defending, undisputed champions. But DS, on the other hand, their track re- record with Virgin is not the best of track records. Yeah, they had a, they've had success, most of it due to the fact that Sam Bird was kind of dragging that car up with them. They were uh, third place in 2015, fourth place in 2015-16, they were third. 2016-17, they slipped back to fourth. 2017-18, they were third. Um, so that's going to be the big test. Um, Hazel tells us, and again, we're sorry we couldn't have Hazel Southwell on for the duration of our segment. Um, thanks, Discord. Um, her comment was that... Uh, Tachita are taking a very staid view of things and whether they can replicate last year, especially Jean-Eric Verne. Um, DS Automobiles, though, they seem really excited about the partnership. Yeah, because for them, it's a massive upgrade to be partnering with the reigning champions. Uh, like, my intuition on this deal, on Tachita's side of things, I, it's, I guess it's a higher ceiling being the a factory mm-hmm. backed and officially supported team than being a customer there's a higher definitely there and i think tachita also recognized that there was a perfect storm of events that allowed them to win that allowed them to win the championship yeah. last they year. had the best powertrain when it seemed like the uh when it seemed like the factory side had just kind of taken a year off in transition uh, and John Eric Verne just drove out of his skin. I mean, he used to be the driver that was always quick, but just had trouble getting uh, getting a full race together. And now he was a dominant champion. Um, so dominant, in fact, that Formula One teams were just like, hey, you up? <laughs> you up? <laughs> Want to come back? And he was just like, no, I think I'll stick with this instead. Of course, uh, Andre the Giant, Andre Lauderer, back for his second season got the number 36 on his car um his number back when he was racing in japan with toms um two podiums seven top tens last year maybe could have had more expecting big things out of him yeah i think i think lotter would do well but again kind of down to the car uh i i think that they're going to be, I don't know, to say that John Eric Verne's a wily veteran. I think Andre Lauder's definitely going to be a wily veteran out there. And they're probably, I don't know how far their car will take them, but they're going to definitely strike fear into some drivers out there. I would love to see this team continue to succeed in a world where it looks like Audi have stepped up. They've gained a great customer team in Virgin. Uh, Nissan EMs are back and proper. Jaguar are under pressure to succeed. Mahindra are very, very close, and they've won races before. It's going to be very, very good. I think we're worried about how competitive Gen 2 Formula E was going to be, and at least looking at it on paper, um, there's a lot of good parts that, if it all comes together, could make for a really, really exciting championship. Yeah, in terms of a competitive championship literally anything could happen and that's the best feeling to have going into it's any season you don't need us to tell you where the first race is going to be it's in Adoria, it's in the Riyadh street circuit at saudi arabia december 15th of 2018 we've talked about it at length there are a lot of other places that this race probably should be at 
but they're going to be here in a couple weeks. Um, and that's actually two weeks. Two weeks. Actually, by the time you hear this, it's probably one week. Yeah, it'll be the the day before my birthday. Hooray! Happy birthday to myself. I guess feel morally conflicted watching a Formula E race. But, af- <laughs> oh, but after that, after that, it does go to a bit more savory venues. Marrakesh and Morocco on January 12th. Then two weeks later to Santiago, Chile on January 26th. February 16th, back to Mexico City at the Autodromo de Manos Rodriguez, formerly E-Circuit. And uh, over to Hong Kong at the Central Harbor Front Circuit on May t- March 10th. Two weeks later, it goes to Sanya in the People's Republic of China, the Sanya, Sanya Street Circuit, a brand new venue. Rome takes over the European leg on April 13th. Two weeks later, on April 2017th, the Paris E-Prix at the Circuit des Invalides. And the Monaco E-Prix is back May 11th, 2019. Berlin returns to the Temple Off Airport on May 25th. Uh, maybe another uh, notable race going on there sometime. Maybe a whole weekend of them. Like a whole day of classic races. <laughs> the series does return uh, tentatively to Bern, Switzerland. Uh, that'll be a new uh, city for uh, for Formula E at a at a returning country. June 22nd. And then the doubleheader in New York. Concrete Jungle Where Dreams Are Made Of. July 13th and 14th. For at the Brooklyn Street Circuit, thirteen races if it all goes along swimmingly, um, and it's spaced out just right where it's like yes, it's a month God. between. It's a month between December, uh, the you know season opener in December, and the next race in January. But then after that, it's a fortnight to the next race, and then just a little over a fortnight to the next race, then a month to the next race. And back to pretty much a fortnightly schedule for the rest of the year. Epic Games, you should be very proud of the free product placement that we're giving you. <laughs> um, and it should also be noted that there will be a championship within this championship. A European title will be up for grabs. Oh yes, this was just announced recently. A European championship that will take place on the Rome, Paris, Monaco, Berlin, Burn round. Um, and oh, besides that, yeah. other things will be changing. Hyperboost attack mode, one car yes. per race if you get it right. Yes, and yeah, one car per race if you get it right. Uh, we'll be now heading to timed races, which will probably throw a wrench into a bunch of people's strategy. Yes, it's forty-five minutes plus one lap once the time limit has expired. It is no longer at a set distance. These are now timed certain races. Yes, and oh dear, oh dear, RJ mentioned it just before, attack mode is coming. <laughs> yeah, formerly put out a video. I am I guess people aren't sure how to feel about this. I I like it, because number one, there are going to be no pit stops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so this kind of adds a bit of strategy, and it's not clear exactly how it will work uh, at the... The FIA World Motorsport Council approved attack mode uh, earlier this week, uh, where it will be determined by the FIA at each race how it will be implemented. So, basically, where it will be on track. Well, basically, the concept of attack mode is that you have to drive through a specific line around a corner to have attack mode be engaged, as seen in their very attractive looking CG video 
where it will most likely be offline in a corner, so you'll definitely lose time by activating attack mode, though you get an additional two, uh, you, you gotta do it. 25 <laughs> You'll get an additional 25 kilowatts, boosting your car's power output from 200 to 225. That's an extra uh, 33 horsepower for flying it mechanically. Yes, and it is not clear, uh, it, it is not clear how it will vary, but they'll be, the cars could be at, you know, attack mode for a maximum of eight minutes. It'll be split into different allocations, meaning that you could have, say, two, you could have four deployments of two minutes, you know, two deployments of four minutes, eight one-minute, like, eight one-minute deployments, one eight-minute deployment. We don't know, and we won't know until the round shows up. Alright, um, way too early predictions. Actually, they're not too early. Um, Rookie of the Year. We have seven that are noted. Who do you think would, uh, who do we think would be top out of those drivers? Again, that is, uh, again, that is, uh, by our criteria, that's Van Dorn, Paffett, Sims, Gunther, uh, Massa, Roland, and Verline. I think at the top, like, in terms of most points scored, I'd probably say Oliver Rowland. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems like a runaway. In terms of, like, what they bring to the team, do you have a different pick? Ooh, in terms of bringing to, in terms of bringing to the team, I, I, I feel like Pascal is going to neatly fill the gap that was left by Felix Rosenquist not being in the series anymore. I think that in terms of being that driver for hire, being the exciting guy on track, I think Pascal will be that guy. Oh my goodness, yeah. I feel like he's always gotten a bum rap in, in Formula 1 for reasons I can't guess why. We know why. <laughs> um, team of the year. Uh, team's champion. Do we feel like it's just going to one of the Audi teams? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's. It but which one? It feels like it's. It feels like it's gonna be Audi, but I. Anything could happen. But it, preseason champion Audi. Yeah, they are preseason champions, and that only matters for so much. Um, <laughs> that matters for everything. I'm. I'm gonna go with Nissan Edams. I think they'll make it four out of five. Um, and as for the uh, drivers' champion. Driver's champion. I think. Uh, I, I think Buemi does it again. I think Buemi does it again. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I would. My heart would go out to any. Uh, either Sam Bird or Robin Friends. But with the form that Sebastian Buemi is in, and even though he was only there as a cardboard cutout in Nismo Festival. <laughs> got to got to feel like you know with a car that's underneath of him with John Paul Drio's leadership I feel like he's going to be back where he was in the first 3 seasons and the, and nothing is going to be better than Wemmy setting the benchmark for everybody else to match. Oh yeah, it's going to be sweet. Oh goodness. So yeah, that is basically Formula E in a nutshell again. Thank you very much Hazel for showing up, being a part of most of our segment. I just hate that we couldn't have you on longer. We hope you're doing well, and we're so, so very grateful to have you on board. She is 
at hsouthwellfe on Twitter if you wish to follow her. Um, we're going to take a quick musical interlude and then speed through the rest of the news that's not as important because it's not Formula E. I got one last Formula E story to to drop oh, in yes. before we move on. Okay, so uh, actually it's kind of like two stories, but again, going st- quickly through it. Um, so the Gen 2 car, its lifespan will be extended to four seasons. At first, it was only slated to be around for three, but they feel like four will be better in terms of cost. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, besides that, uh, the in-season test after the, the season opener, there, since last time we spoke about it, uh, two other drivers have been added on. Hazel hinted at it earlier, where, uh, let's see, HWA will be running Kerry uh, Schreiner in place of what was originally intended to be Sophia Flourish, and Pippa Mann will be testing for Dragon Racing. Oh, this is gonna be spicy. This is a this is a neat segue to the to the W series. Uh, Fifty five drivers are in the talent pool. Um, I want to at least hit the highlights. There's uh there's there could potentially be as many as eight Americans. They could all make the grid, making half of the field Americans. Let's <laughs> yes. So of the fifty five drivers who made their short list, uh. Eight are Americans, which is the most out of any nation. Uh, I think Britain and Germany both have seven. Here are some names that you might recognize. Isla Agron was a stalwart of the road to Indy. Um, now Cabasi will be testing in the Formula E car. Her, her father, Khalid, a very accomplished gentleman racer in sports cars. Jamie Chadwick, GT4 champion and British G, G British F3 race winner. Oh, that's gonna... Oh, she would easily clean up if, if she got selected. Natalie Decker, top woman in American stock car racing, listed as being from the ARCA series. Uh, Marta Garcia, former Renault development driver, just 18 yep. years old. Um, she is in the Pegged field. by Michelle Mouton as being, quote, Mini Alonso. <laughs> yes, Carmen Yorda is there as well. But we'll move on. Um, goodness gracious, who else is there? Sheena Monk is back. Uh, she had that awful crash at, at Laguna Seca, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo car. Uh, Marilyn Niederhauser, her brother Patrick, uh, has raced in single-seaters before. Alice Powell, back. Um, she was a Formula Renault UK champion. Um, there's a few uh, There's a few champions in the field as well. Carrie Schreiner, we met, just mentioned her. Bietzka Visser, raced multiple seasons in Formula V8s. Yeah, former Red Bull junior driver. Goodness, another Road to Indy uh, alumnus, Bruna Tomaselli. I mean, it's a good field. Miki Koyama, yes. um, Japanese F4 driver. Several champions as well. We talked about Isla Agron, Jamie Chadwick, uh, Sarah Moore of Great Britain, Carrie Schreiner, um, Alice Powell. I mean, there are issues with this series, obviously, but... For the list of drivers that they put together, it's pretty good. Let's just hope they get yeah, something as a, at the as end. As a list of 55 to 
to chop down to 18. That's not a bad list at all. Uh, some of the issues that I have with the list per se, that the, I'd say the number, like, they, they don't mention it on the W series at all. They don't mention that this is a series intended to produce a drive for Formula One. This is kind of their mission statements like they just want more women racing in general. Mm -hmm. Though it is a bit uncomfortable the number of drivers who are there who are age 30 and above. Mm. Should we talk about, uh, speaking of uncomfortable things, Amazon Web Service. Um, it's uh, It's been in Formula One in some portions last year, and now it's going to have an yes. even bigger presence, isn't it? Yes, where... Uh, Formula One has unveiled that they'll be using uh, the processing power of the Amazon Web Service to calculate uh, to calculate various statistics during live during races to use on screen in graphic packages during races. Most notably, uh, calculating the percentage of the percentage chance of an overtake. Did you know that Lewis Hamilton has a twenty percent pass chance to make this overtake? <laughs> you'll you'll see that. Yes. And I'm mm, I'm a bit on the fence about it. I, I like I kind of see it as uh, I would pro kind of compare it to like win probability. You see that a lot in say the NFL. Uh, I think I've seen it used for baseball, but I've never seen it used live in the broadcast it's something that you have to look up online usually like espn oh my god or something. yeah can you just like imagine like an overtake probability graph and then it just like falls off the cliff like in a like in a dramatic finish <laughs> to a sports game yes oh goodness we are we are I, such dorks yeah which which is part of the reason why i'm a bit nervous about it i think a lot of F1 fans kind of are not gonna like it. Where they're they're not gonna. Are you kidding me? They don't like change as established. <laughs> they don't, yeah, they don't like change already. This has been addressed by people much more talented than us. By the way, if you have not watched Chain Bear F1's 2018 F1 season review on YouTube, it is the best 70 minutes of your life, and I would highly recommend it. We love you, Stuart. Um. Yeah, I I love you. Uh. Year in review, gonna be completely honest. I didn't think it was amazing, though it was it was pretty good. Which in my book that that means a lot. Yes. Pretty good. Man, that also takes us back to man fighting in the age of loneliness. That was that was pretty good. That was a feature oh, length that was... pretty good. <laughs> the feature length that, pretty a, good, but that's we a didn't week. Yes. We didn't know we needed that... a feature length uh pretty good episode, and now we do. Now we now we do. If you haven't seen it, go on SB Nation's YouTube uh, YouTube channel, and you can watch the entire week's worth of videos about it. Uh, just, I'm not going to spoil anything, but yeah, it's it's a history of MMA, and if you don't think you'll like it, just, just watch part one. That's all you need to watch. Watch part one, make a decision if you're going to watch the rest of it. The 2019 F1 entry list has been published. Um, Force India are no more. Racing Point, it's just a placeholder name. And they are sure that uh, they're not going to be Teamy McTeam face. McTeam face. And Renault Sport F1 have dropped the sport, and now they're just Renault F1 team. We also have driver numbers for 
Antonio Giovinazzi, 99. Robert Kubica, number 88. Uh, George Russell, number 63, is expected. Lando Norris, just number four and not number 46. And Lando Norris, uh, I believe Lando Norris is the first driver to use a number that's been used before as he picks up Max Chilton's former number. Oh, no. Number. Uh, both Gasly and Hartley have recycled numbers as well. And so does Robert Kubica, paying homage, oh, obviously. And, and Antonio Giovinazzi as well. Wow, I did not know we recycle numbers that often. Yeah, Harianto had 88 and Sutil had 99. People really love <laughs> factors of 11. Yeah, just not 66. Um, Formula 2 and Formula 3. Um, don't call them GP2 and GP3, but they have calendars now. And Formula 3, International F3, has a new car. Yes, International F3 has a new car. Gone are the old days of the two-liter Formula 3 category that have pretty much swept the world by storm for the last four decades. Here is a a new mecha-chrome, naturally aspirated, 3.8-liter V6 engine. Oh, goodness, that's a lot of displacement. And DRS is here. Eh, well... I guess it's alright. And look at that rear wing. Oh, it's ample. Like literally, I think Jason told me actually before the show. Like literally, is like, is that the one with the Pikachu wing? And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Honestly, I like I like the end plates on it way better than just like just the straight slant on the Formula One. That's gonna be spicy if the racing is good. Oh, buddy. Um, so we have calendars now. Um. F2 is a bit larger. Um, it'll be Bahrain, Azerbaijan, Spain, Monaco, France, Austria, Britain, Hungary, Belgium, Italy, Russia, Abu Dhabi. Pretty much the same as last year. Uh, F3 yeah. is just cutting uh, Bahrain and Azerbaijan and Abu Dhabi. So their season ends yeah, a little so, earlier. Yeah, it ends a little earlier. Uh, essentially, uh, F2 series organizers have said that yeah they could add more added in more rounds but they wanted to keep costs under control mm-hmm. which again yeah if costs weren't an issue f2 could probably be at every single round yeah i would love to see them in the states though oh my goodness yeah uh yeah same thing for formula three where they could have gone to more european rounds but they want to keep costs down in the first year but yeah f F3 can expand in the future. Don't know about F2. They're kind of solid on having a 12-round uh, round setup where they have eight European rounds, four rounds overseas. And Guan Yu Zhao um, is signed with... Uh, we know now that Russian time are no more. RIP Russian time. Hello, the team that operated Russian time for all these years. Uh, vir- <laughs> all, all these years. Virtuosi Racing. <laughs> It was like, it was me. It was me all oh, along. son of a bitch. Um, we talked... Though, oh, one, one random tangent about their... About Virtuosi's press release, where they literally futured endeavored Artem Markolov and Svetlana. Oh, man. I'm gonna miss Artem. But he's gonna be... Yeah. But he's testing a Super Formula car right now. Possibly. Maybe. We'll see. Possibly. Um... We talked about Fernando Alonso and Kamui Kobayashi in the same car, the same Cadillac-powered car at Daytona. As it turns out, there's a lot more star suddenness to add to the field. 
Uh, for starters, Yunkos Racing have committed a car to the full season. They have a Cadillac DPI VR of their own. Indy Lights champ Kyle Kaiser and former IndyCar driver Renee Bender and Will Owen, who's been a Rota Indy graduate who has been putting in some serious mileage and prototypes. We know that, that the Nissan DPI project will live on with the new team, Core Autosport, who almost won as an LMP2 privateer. And they're bringing back Roman Dumas and Loic Duval and their three Lama victories with them to Daytona. Uh, you want to talk about stacking the bots? JDC Miller Motorsport. They have two cars, no Gainsco sponsorship, but they do have some dudes named Rubens Barrichello and Tristan Vautier in their cars. I don't... This is going to be an all-star race. Look, I mean, look, what is Daytona isn't an all-star race, but Jesus. Dragon Speed's got two LMP2 cars. That'll be the first time since Corrado Sport are moving up from LMP to DPI, and they're bringing Nicola Lapierre and Pastor Maldonado with them. Um, and this is already on a lineup that already has... Uh, the aforementioned Alonzo and Kobayashi and Jordan Taylor and Ranger Van de Zanda. And hey, um, Acura Team Penske have still yet to officially confirm their lineups. And so too have Mazda Team Yost. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Alex Zanardi's going to be in this. Yeah, Alex Zanardi is going to be racing in IMSA, which is a shock to some, but not everyone. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh so, yeah, he's going to be racing uh, the big M8. It's going to be great. Um, and I think, King, are we missing any important stories? Have we gotten through everything? Uh, I think we have gotten through everything. Um, one last check. Yeah, I think we're good. I think one last story to leave out on. Uh, the F1 team bosses have done their annual driver of the year vote, and the unsurprisingly Sergey Sorotkin. <laughs> sorry, so so sorry. It's the same top three as it was last year. Team principal driver of the year is Lewis Hamilton, followed by Max Verstappen and Sebastian Vettel. Oh man, poor Sergey. Uh, Alonzo went up two spots to fourth. Don't know how that happened. Just off the podium. Uh, also notable, uh, Botas is up three spots. Tenth. Like, yeah, he's up three spots. He's eighth on the list now. Charles Leclerc uh, debuts on the list in sixth place. Yeah. And um, we just got pointed out by Cam in the Discord that Penske are keeping Ricky Taylor, Juan Pablo Montoya, Elio Castroneves, and Dane Cameron. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ. All right. And I think we've now covered it. Again, thank you so, so much, Hazel, for being a part of our show and being a part of our Formula E season preview. We'll pick things up in the next episode. We'll talk about the Formula One season that has done already been past us. The Formula One yeah. season review, part of season review season on the Motorsport 101 Network. And thank you to everybody who slogged out through all the technical issues that we're having. Hello, Jason. Hello, Cam. Uh, thank you to everybody who backs us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Thank you to everybody who listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, you can find highlights of our show at youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We are on Facebook and on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. 
If you wish to follow us personally, we are at Harrison101HD. Andre will be back at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at H Southwell FE. Uh, and that will do it for our preview of the Formula E season to come. For Andre Harrison, I've been RJ O'Connell, they've been Ryan King and Hazel Southwell, and until then, we will see you on the next episode. Later, y'all. Bye! Like I'm not you are the world champion!